Hi, I'm Allison Pease, Associate to the Provost for Faculty. This spring, John Jay is awarding the Distinguished Teaching Prize to three extraordinary professors whose work inside the classroom deserves recognition. To celebrate the dedication of these individuals and to learn a little bit about what great teaching looks like, I'm sitting down with each of them to ask them about winning the prize and teaching life at John Jay. In this episode, I have the honor of talking to Associate Professor of English Alexander Long. Alexander holds both a Master of Fine Arts in Poetry and a PhD in Literature. He's the author of three books of poetry, multiple essays, and he's currently at work on a literary biography of the American poet Larry Levis. He's been a member of the English department since 2006. I begin the interview by asking him what winning the Distinguished Teaching Prize means to him. I guess the expected answer is that it's validating. It, it sort of um, makes me realize or confirms that um, what I'm doing is not off the mark. <laughs> that it's um, actually, some days it's actually working uh, with students. And I guess it, it, it's... To a lesser extent, it was kind of like when I got the call from you um, informing me that I had been promoted and tenured. It was kind of like a, not like woohoo, but like, thank God. My efforts are paying off. Yeah. I'm doing the right thing. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it It wasn't so much like a celebratory. It was like, okay, I'm not crazy. nominated by 15, I don't know if you know this, you were nominated by 15 Holy different mold. students, wow. students who had clearly taken different classes from you, not all from one section. Wow. Um, many of them noted, in fact, that they'd taken repeated courses with you. You have a following, I guess. Huh. Um, the reasons for nominating you were different, but there were some similar themes that came through. Hmm. It seems that a lot of them describe you as passionate and honest. Students in your creative writing courses really appreciate your detailed critiques, your line edits, your recommending uh, poets who might be writing in the same voice that they're trying. One student mentioned that he had given you a self-addressed envelope so that you could return his portfolio in the summer, and that inside that portfolio he found a personally written letter from you giving him advice on how to become a writer. And he says he keeps that letter on his desk at Mm. home. Students in your literature courses say that you challenge their intellect, that they feel in your classes like you want to hear what they have to say as individuals. And one student says he wants us to be great. Actually, I think that's a theme that Mm. I felt was coming through with all of them. Mm. So students feel really challenged and personally heard in your classes. Can you tell me if such a thing exists, what a typical Alex Long class period looks like. I walk in, and if it's a creative writing workshop, we're arranged sort of in a square or a circle. And I do the perfunctory sort of, hey, how are we doing? 
And everyone just sort of looks at me blankly or they groan or whatever. And I say, okay, come on, lie to me. Tell me that you're great. Yeah, tell me that you're feeling yeah. – and I mean, we all sort of chuckle or we don't chuckle and then we get down to work. And um, I make it clear from the first day that we are here to have conversations, that I'm not up here sort of as this font of knowledge and wisdom. I'm kind of sort of just like you. But I've just been doing it longer. And um, there's a reason why I get paid. And there's a reason why you're paying. But at the end of the day, we're still all in this sort of thing together. And this thing, you know, if it's a creative writing class, trying to figure out what we're having to something to say and how we're saying it. If it's a lit class, okay, why is Whitman Dickinson doing X, Y, and Z? I have to set the table and so far as the sort of intellectual specifics of the work for that particular class and then I open it up and I make sure that students feel at once welcome to speak their mind and at the same time responsible to speak their mind um, intelligently because we all have had those classes in which there's that one student who just loves to talk Mm-hmm. But he or she hasn't done the reading, <laughs> and, and they can they can hijack the class. Yeah. So I have it's, it's a you know it's a balancing act, and I have to make sure that that student is held to account by the other students who have done the work. I'm always trying to reach them, I guess, as much as I can reach them as people. Um, what do you mean by that? Students here at John Jay are, are sometimes very candid about what they might be going through outside of the classroom. So I I try to put that through the computer, <laughs> my brain, as, a, as I'm working with them in the class period. And I try to make them feel as though that they matter. I'm going to go back to something you were also saying, right, in terms of talking about your position in the classroom and the students. Mm. In the materials that you submitted for the nomination, you actually talk about positioning writers, great writers, as no different from Mm. our students, from you. No more privileged or less privileged, no more brilliant or less brilliant, but that instead they have, you know, dedicated themselves to the craft. That really reminded me of educational psychologist Carol Dweck's theory. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with Dweck, right? She has mm-hmm. an idea that's pretty popular in education called the growth mindset. The idea is if, if you believe that intelligence is a finite entity, that it's given or not given, then you don't try. Mm-hmm. But that if you believe that intelligence is something that can be improved upon by effort... You're motivated to try. And it struck me that you were actually employing this psychology without necessarily intending to by Uh, saying we're all the same and those of us who work at it get better. Yeah. Is that the idea? Yeah, that's essentially it. That's essentially it. And can you explain how you have seen this motivate your students? Because they're clearly motivated. By the simple act of listening to them and taking them seriously. As, mm-hmm. as maybe not peers, but as, as as viable, intelligent, imaginative people. 
it kind of breaks my heart sometimes that I'm, and I've been at John Jay here for now almost 10 years, and I've, I've seen a pattern that a lot, of, a lot of the students here are coming with really low sort of self-esteem, intellectually speaking. I sense that just maybe they've just never been heard hmm. and that they've never really had an opportunity to have a voice. So I try to make sure that they, that they feel that, they, that, that they, have, they have validity. And it's not kumbaya either. It's, you know, I'm, I'm... You're a poet, mm-hmm. and it's hard for me not to see mm-hmm. you as a poet at all mm-hmm. times, and I, I was curious about some of your students recognizing this aspect of you. Many mentioned that you tend to send your classes unconventional emails, sort of <laughs> messages in the dark. One student actually quoted an email uh, where you say to your students, you've got to find yourself in others. In the same lifelong breath, you've got to find out who you are and are becoming. What did you mean by that? And what do you hope to achieve when you send such messages to your students? I guess it goes back to sitting in that square or circular formation is that none of us are superior. And that's part of the ethos of the workshop is that we're Mm -hmm. all seeing each other at the same level. Right. And you use, you use that in a literature mm-hmm. course as well as a writing mm-hmm. workshop. Or okay. at a comp class, okay. uh, anything. Like right. We're all, and sometimes I have to stand up and lecture mm-hmm. you know, for 10, 15 minutes. But um, back to that specific quote from the email yeah. is that how I found myself as a writer was through reading this guy, Larry Levis. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to find my voice by reading his poems. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that. I had a teacher tell me that. He said, you have Chris Buckley. He said, you, you, have, you have a voice. You don't have anything to write about <laughs> because you're 18. <laughs> you may think you have something to write about, but you don't. But you have a voice. He said, who are you reading? And I said, well, this book that you sold me for a dollar, Larry Levis. He said, aha. So you found yourself. And that, that has always stuck with me. It's that I'm, I'm in the poems of Levis and Levis is in the poems of Wallace Stevens and Wallace Stevens is in the poems of and on and on it goes mm-hmm. that we're all sort of in this big soup together but at the same in the same breath it, I go back to that line from Whitman's poem oneself I sing uh, he says oneself I sing a simple separate person yet utter the word democratic the word unmas so none of us exist in a vacuum and if I can extend the dialogue within, you know, the, the 15, 20, 25 students in the room to go as far back to, say, Homer and then bring everyone from Homer to our present moment. If it can't do that, but I try to have just this, as many voices talking to one another mm-hmm. because we're all dealing with the same stuff and that's called living. It seems clear that you have a way of interacting with your students in the class that makes them feel heard, individual, and motivated. Something else that you seem to work at 
with your students with good results is reading. In your materials, you talk about two kinds of reading. You talk about close reading, Mm -hmm. but you also talk about active reading. Can you tell me what you mean by those? And for others who also struggle with students who really need to improve their reading skills, what are you doing that might be useful? I slow the process down Mm -hmm. a lot. Rather than trying to cover quantity of material, though we do have to do that, I will look at, say, a, a paragraph from Morrison's Uh, Beloved, Mm -hmm. And we will go through it, sometimes word by word, leaping back into the larger context, Mm -hmm. and then back into this particular exchange between, say, uh, 6-0 and a school teacher. Mm -hmm. That wonderful scene where 6-0 sort of uh, outwits school teacher because you stole that that foal. So we'll look at that scene, Mm -hmm. and we'll just go through it very slowly, very patiently. And that's what I mean, I guess, by the close reading. The close reading is also sort of a writing genre, the explication mm-hmm. of unfolding a particular piece of literature. It works better for poems, but you can do it with literature. You can do it with, with, with prose as well. Mm-hmm. What about active reading? Active reading is, is taking ownership of the text of, of the book, and I, I require the students to get you know this edition, this book. It's dirt cheap if you can't get it let me know i'll see if i can get it for you and you got to mark it up you got you've got to make this book unsellable back this is yours now and i show them and this is my, my again my tattered beat up copy of of levis's winter stars with you people know, listening to this podcast can't see the book you're holding yeah. up in front of me so. <laughs> yeah the book is falling apart uh, literally and i say you have to, and this is that's the act of reading component is that you've got to this is a living thing and you can step into it, and you can make it yours. They say the mark of expertise is knowing how inexpert you are. Oh, and I'm an expert. <laughs> what do you want to get better at? Lecturing. I don't. I don't think I'm a particularly strong lecturer. I'm. I'm much more comfortable having conversations mm-hmm. with students and having ideas sort of deflect and reflect and careen off each other through multiple voices. Mm-hmm. When I feel like I'm up there lecturing, I can just, I can hear crickets. <laughs> I can hear the wind blowing. You know, it's just it's just not a pleasurable experience for me. And and I was never really trained to give a lecture. Nor was I ever trained to to conduct a workshop. It's just that my most of my educational experience, the most meaningful parts of my educational experience were in that workshop setting. Last question. A book I read this year is called Small Teaching. And the, the philosophy of it is that most of us who have been teaching for a while have a pretty set idea of who we are in the classroom and what we want to do. But that if you make some small adjustments or do some small practical things, it can make a difference for student sure. learning. So in the spirit of small teaching, what small thing do you think you do in the classroom that you think others might easily do to improve their teaching? Hmm. I don't know how small this is. It feels small. But I I belittle myself often in the classroom as a point of empathy. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I talk about my failed endeavors as a writer. And I tell them, you know, if, if, it's, if, a, if it's a poetry writing workshop and a student has turned in a poem that's particularly uh, laden with self-pity and sort of teen angst and abstraction and all the stuff that we don't want to see in a poem. I say, sure. I mean, 
sometime, you know, I'll show you my, my files, and I've got stacks of what you just turned in and what I just said was really, you know, not even worth revising. Just just chuck it and start fresh. That, I've got that manifold in my files because I'm a writer, and 85 to 90% of what I write is chucked. And so the little moments like that, I, I've, I've seen students go like, because they look, they look, and you, you may have experienced this too, and, and when you're teaching, students often look to us as sort of not infallible, but kind of on a pedestal to an extent. And I, I just, I, I cut the legs out from under that pedestal. And I said, look, this is, this is how, this is how it really works. It's messy, it's sloppy, and a lot of it's junk. So I guess that level of of humility and honesty and self-deprecating. Alexander Long, winner of the John Jay Distinguished Teaching Prize 2017. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank you. Thank you.